Good? Yep. <clears throat> All right, Mitch. Mitch do you want to give us, give us your backstory in just a couple minutes? Well, my name's Mitch Keller. I started playing baseball. Well, I have an older brother. His name's John. He played um, with the Orioles for a little bit. But uh, just going back to when I was younger, he, um, he was always three. He was three years, four years older than I am, three and a half years older. So there's always that age difference there. Of, I would always learn from him on how to do stuff and just be super competitive. Um, that's where I started playing was against him in the backyard and then it just grew to little league and then high school and then he got drafted so I wanted to be I always thought I would get drafted out of high school too um, was never really throwing hard until I mean I always threw harder but not enough to get drafted or anything like that but um, this is my junior year of high school is throwing topping out at like 90 so I thought college and I was committed to North Carolina so I knew I was going to college but I didn't really think anything of it. Uh, I know my dad was kind of nervous that, you know, I was only topping out at 90. I might not have a chance to play at UNC. So we went to, I saw a guy down in St. Louis and started throwing 95 after that winter. And I got drafted and spent five years in the minor leagues with the Pirates. And then I made my big league debut in 2019. Was that kind of your first training experience? Were you to pull yes. down stuff like that? Yes, pulled, that was definitely my first training experience. Um, also, my first time like doing any kind of weight training or anything. I didn't do any weights or anything, um, so that was like a big deal. And I think that John, I think that first spring, it was like a spring league uh, thing in Iowa because we play high school baseball in the summer there. So we had to do a spring league game, and it was like 25 degrees out, and my first pitch was like 95, 96, and there was like five scouts in the in the stands and I remember this there's like five or six scouts first pitch was like 95 I only threw like two innings the next weekend I think there was like 100 scouts and I was like what like just amazed and it was just basically off of one weekend I think word traveled quickly and yeah. that's kind of where it all started where we get drafted so when uh when in your career did you did you think like Obviously, you dream of being a major league pitcher, but when did you think, like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it at a high clip? Like pitching the big leagues? Yes. I don't think that realization even started until, I mean, like, low A, honestly, because when I was in the GCL and then I went to uh, Bristol, which was a rookie, rookie, uh, I don't even know what you want to go. Real good taste of pro ball there. <laughs> yeah, so I was, like, not... I don't know. I didn't really understand how far away we were or like how far away I was or how close I actually was. So it felt like a million miles away. But I think once I had a really good low A year, then I started like having a bunch of recognition and, you know, the top prospect list and stuff. And that's kind of where I started thinking like, okay, I can, I could probably make it to the big leagues. And you're like, that's kind of the expectation is like, you're going to make the big leagues. How have you kind of kept kept yourself grounded throughout all of it. I know obviously like GCL, I know Bristol, the Appy League is obviously terrible. Yeah, but throughout cool. your entire journey, you spent a lot of time in the minor leagues. How do you keep yourself present in the moment of not being bogged down because you're in one place wanting to get to another? What's your yeah. routine been like with that? Um, honestly, just trying to take it start by start and just pitch by pitch, uh, as cliche as that is, it's just like if you, I know there was a time in the minor leagues where I was like, I should be getting called up to the like AAA, I should go to AAA, or I should be moved up to AA, and that, and as soon as you start thinking that, that's when like performance 
is um, I feel like you just get complacent and, and not doing his best. Um, there was one start I remember our old pitching coordinator, and he could tell that I want like and it was in Double A. It was one start. He knew that I wanted to be up in Triple A, and I probably should have been like. I had a really good year so far, and I was over halfway through the year. And he came into town. And he was like, "Show me, like, show me you want to be there, or like, show me something that tells me you deserve to be there." And I think I just kind of took that of like every start now is like, sh of a show me, like, show me why, show me why you should be there. Don't don't expect it, like, show it and like force the hand of having someone take you there. And that game, I, I don't know. I think I had a really good game, and then the next day they sent me up. So just always trying to prove something every start out, I would say, to right. get back to that question. Can you tell us that story that you told uh, last Friday, the Tommy Top Declan story of walking the oh, first yeah. couple guys? Uh, yeah, in, in Toledo, one start, there's, um, like, my parents had come to town in Toledo, so, I mean, it's, like, it's a quite a good drive for them to come out and watch me play, and I, I know they were there um, for having a start. First guy gets a hit. I think I went back and read the article. So the first guy gets a hit, and then I walk the next two guys. So the bases are loaded, like on four pitches. So it's just bad. It's, bases are loaded, nobody out. And in our minor leagues, it's like 30 pitches. Like if you get to 30 pitches, you're, someone's hot and you're you're done. So I'm getting close to that, or like like 18 at this point. But I don't have anybody out. And our catcher comes out for a mound visit, and like the way the the stadium is, there's no there's no like awning to block the sun and it was coming down and the way when I pitch I come here and I come set and when I lift my leg my head kind of comes up just a little bit and the sun was hitting me in the face so trying to block back in on the catcher I was having a really tough time um, doing it and I was like dude you gotta tie your shoes like stall I need like an extra I need some time for the sun to get down so I can see you and the next two pitches like two balls in a row. I remember it was 2-0 count. And then from there, the sun went down. And after that, um, I struck out the next 12 batters of the game in a row. So I struck out the side, struck out the side. And then in the last, I think it was the fifth, I only ended up going like five innings because I had so many pitches. Um, had like strike out, ground out, and then a strikeout. So I had, it could have been the worst start of my career. And it ended up being one of my better, one, like career high in strikeouts, which was crazy and you got you got the call after that huh you got yeah the and then i got that? called for the big leagues after that <laughs> yeah so it was kind of cool what do you think about your 2022 season um it started not great uh devin and i go back and forth like trying to figure it out but then once we figured out some stuff um it was pretty special it was really cool i wasn't trying to think of like how good it was like in the moment i was just trying to block out all the noise of like hey like people would I mean, people just start treating you different a little bit, like around the around the building and around the league, um, when they know you're having like these good outings and good starts, and you're stringing them together. So it was, it was, it was hard to to block it out because I'm just trying to stay focused because I knew there was more work to be done. I mean, I think at the end of May I had like a six, and then at the end of June or July I don't remember exactly I had like a four, and I was like, all right, there's still more work to be done. And like, I just kept going. Um, but yeah, overall, really good. Something, and you were a first rounder, correct? Second. Second, Second rounder. rounder. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, um, dude, come on. That shows you how much I believe in you. <laughs> but I think um, something I want you to talk about is something I've kind of noticed from afar 
you know, I think there are guys in pro ball, first, second rounders, kind of have like this hype around them, obviously the top prospect thing. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about mentality around that. I know you say start to start, game to game, but I also reflect on like Clay, for example. Um, obviously, Glass wasn't a first rounder, but we know he's a first round talent. Yeah. But just talk about kind of like the culture you guys have created, kind of working hard together because I, and not to boost your ego a ton, but like you guys don't carry yourselves like you're better than other people. Right. So just kind of talk about that work ethic piece with being a high pick, but knowing you have to go out and earn it. Uh, it's tough. I don't, I don't necessarily think, um, I don't know, it could have been the organization we were with, or just like the way we were brought up through the organization. And I think it also goes back to like how you're brought up as a kid, um, or just even like life like that, is just knowing like, hey, you have to work for everything you're getting. Um, it's just not gonna be handed to you. And I think what helped me realize that was having my brother go through pro ball um, before me. So he had a full extra year, like he had been through I was always a year behind him once we got to pro ball because he went to college. Um, but once he got drafted again and got into pro ball, it was like there's nothing's handed to you. Like you have to prove everything. Like just because you're a high pick doesn't mean it's going to work out. And I think honestly for me, seeing Glass now in the big leagues while I was still in the minor leagues kind of go through his struggles and stuff and knowing he was like the poster child for the Pirates is like he is the dude and he's having struggles. So like it could happen to me. So. You gotta kind of come back down to life and and really live in the moment and just work hard. And because if you don't, like, it's not just gonna be handed to you. Did you have anybody like, like last now, like that was your mentor, like coming up through the minors beside your brother, like within the Pirates org that you kind of like uh, yeah. leaned so, on? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Jamo, Jamison yeah. Tyon. My first day, I signed in GCL or I signed in Pittsburgh, flew down the GCL, and actually him and Clay Holmes were there uh, rehabbing for Tommy John. So I was at the complex with those guys all the time. Every single day I saw them. So uh, JMO's just been like a huge mentor to me. I always watch all of his starts and just being in the minor leagues and, and knowing and watching him throw and just do his work. I mean, he's a pro day in and day out. And just being able to be around those guys every single day was, I think it was really beneficial for me. I don't know if my career would have been any different if those guys weren't there, but I think it did help it a lot to like know that, hey, this is this is an everyday thing. You have to have a plan coming in, get your work in, good quality work, not just to be there going through the motions, but get your work done, uh, make sure it's quality, get something out of every day, no matter, like, you could be feeling like shit one day or feeling, feeling bad one day, but um, just making sure you're getting something out of it every day. It's not like a wasted day ever. I forgot to mention J-Mo, but he is, he is like an all-time good, good guy. Yeah, just, yeah, and I, on, it goes back to that of, like, he was the second overall pick, I think, in yeah, his right. draft. Behind Bryce Harper, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> behind Bryce Harper, like, and being in that building, you would never know it, uh, right. being around J-Mo. So I think it all is, like, kind of comes around him, too. Just who you're brought up with in the organization is, is huge. Yeah, I've always been fascinated by your guys' little group, and I think it is very influential. But talk uh, talk a little bit, like obviously you said they were good mentors through the minor leagues, but like especially Glass. So I think that's a good example. Like your big league career getting off the start, like maybe it doesn't go as well as you want it to, but yeah. talk about, because I know Glass is similar in that regard. So just talk about that some. Yeah, um, it's like Glass now is going through so much stuff and like, 
even when I came up to the big leagues and I struggled, I mean, you'd hear people saying, oh, he's the next class now. He's in, like super good in the minor leagues, can't do it in the big leagues, whatever it may be or why. And like, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it. And I don't think Glass could either when he was with the Pirates in the big leagues. It's just like something that, I don't know, you're just going through it. Can't figure it out, trying a lot of different things. I think that might be some of the, the problems. You're trying too many things, whether it's you just take a step back and be like, okay, I'm good at this for a reason. It's kind of like glass. It's just the more he kind of just simplified everything and started throwing as hard as he could down the middle and throwing his banger curveball and using it more, it just success happened. Um, yeah, and I just think going back to your strengths is, strengths is, a, big, is a big thing. I'm kind of curious too, because we talked about Glass and I know last year, Somber made the video about like Garrett Cole and like comparing you to different people. Like, was there a point where you're just like kind of over the comparisons? Like, I don't want to be the next Glass now. Like, I don't want to be the next Tyon. Like, I don't want to be the next Garrett Cole. Like, yeah. I want to be like myself. And 100%. just like all that pressure of just like people comparing you to other people kind of just like, yeah. you know, added too yeah, much there's pressure. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure, just especially being the top prospect in any, any organization, any guy that's. Now listening to this, that's a top prospect's gonna know what I'm talking about. It's just like there's so much pressure to be to be the next guy or to be the next I don't know, superstar um, within the organization. Like um, I think 2015, 16, Pirates made the wild card, and then we had a few bad years. And then it's like, okay, he's the saving grace. Like he's gonna take us to the playoffs. And like that's a lot of pressure as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old <laughs> kid. And I'm like, I don't. I don't know. I'm just trying to do my best. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Like, and you're just trying to put outside pressure on yourself where it's just not needed. I look at pro ball too with guys who sign for a thousand dollars, right? And like, one thing I've always thought internally is like, I can't sympathize with, like, if you got six million dollars to sign, there yeah. is that enormous pressure on you. Like, I get seven hundred dollars, right? Like, yeah. I've got nothing to lose. Whereas there is kind of this identity on you of like, oh, you need to make it to like show the investment works. Yeah. But talk a little bit, because I think you also have done a really good job of kind of channeling that where like Garrett Cole comp, right? Like yeah. we know your stuff, just four seam slider curveball changeup is within 1% of a top five pitcher in the world. Yeah. How do you use that as like, it's a validation of how good you are versus that. Yeah, comparison. and that, those comparisons help a lot too. It's like, they're not all bad. Um, like you said, the comparison to Garrett's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I want to be Garrett because who wouldn't want to be him, you know? He's one of the best pitchers of all time. So having that comparison is really cool. Um, and then just knowing you have the tools to do it and he's just a little bit more consistent. And that's what we're all striving for is more consistency, more uh, just more more reps, more experience, and I think that's what makes him really good is because he knows what he's doing with all of his pitches all the time. And he has extreme feel of everything pretty much all the time, uh, which is what we're all striving to have. Um, but yeah, having uh, going through the minor leagues is like, my delivery was kind of similar to Garrett's, and we started trying to simplify it a little bit more with the glove arm. Like, his glove arm is kind of a dead glove arm. He doesn't really use it. Um, well, he. I don't know, his thoughts could be a lot different, but the way for me to get to be like his delivery was kind of deaden that arm out and just have it be there instead of trying to use it as a, as a mechanism to throw harder. I actually threw harder when I thought of not using it. Um, and once I started doing that, you could pair deliveries and they look pretty much the same. Um, 
but that was back in 2015, 2016. So I'm sure they're a little bit different now, just going through the years of throwing and different right. changes. Talk, uh, we'll kind of segue a little bit, but talk about when you first started with Tread and when you first met Devin. <laughs> yeah, so uh, well, it was after the 2021 season and I had a pretty rough year of like up and down. I had a really good start, really bad one, really good, really bad. Got sent down to AAA. It was just kind of all over the place delivery-wise. Just didn't really know. Um, I was just trying to change, doing little things here, trying to pitch more at the top of the zone and all this. And then, you know, I, I knew I needed some. I know I knew I needed to throw harder again because I think we my average below was 93.8 or something. Yeah. 2021 for fastballs and that like it's not gonna cut it. Like I'm I'm supposed to be a 96 and up guy like top in 96, 97 every game. And I wasn't, I was only top of like 95. Um, and I knew that I, there was just something I knew. I knew something didn't feel right. I didn't, it didn't feel comfortable. Baseball wasn't fun anymore. And throwing definitely wasn't fun. Like I, I dreaded going to throw. It's like, this is like a battle because I'm not going to be able to feel good throwing and I don't like it. So I, at that point I was talking to Clay, um, Clay actually showed me some stuff in spring training one that 2021. So then I'd been going through that whole season and finally, I think it was like midway through the season, I texted him. I was like, Hey, like, what do you got on tread? Or like, we're like, did you have a really good experience with them? And he's like, yeah, dude, like should, should do it. So I reached out. I don't know. I think I was texting Ben and, and then at the end of the season, Ben uh, shot me over to Devin. And then I just remember cause my wife and I had bought a house. We were in an Airbnb and I was calling him. It was like a 45 minute phone call and I got off the phone call and I just told my wife, I was like, I'm really gonna enjoy this. <laughs> like I already could tell. I was like, this is, this is it. Like I know this is gonna be good for me. And then from there, I mean, we just started day one, just trying to get some a good feeling back of how I used to throw. We went over, I mean, you went over video yeah. of because I had mentioned like game, like what years I felt good in throwing um, and what years I'd felt dominant or it just felt like it was coming out and I wasn't even trying because right. in 2021, I was like grunting, like trying like as hard as I could to throw 95 and it was 92, 93. Um, so yeah, just getting back to throwing loose and easy and feeling good. And it kind of just clicked that one off in 2021 and or 20, Last off season, I don't know what year you want to call that, but yeah. after the 21 season. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember like the first call with you. First one Ben assigned me the athlete was like Mitch Keller. I was like, damn, this guy's kind of a big deal. And you're like the first <laughs> guy where I was like, I better not mess this up. Like I had college guys before and like some pro guys, but I was like, this is my first like opportunity where it's like, this guy was really good and you should be really good. And kind of, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, messes <laughs> you up even more. So I, I got to do a really good job. So I remember like, scrolling through all the old video and you sent me like a bunch of older minor league video of like up to a hundred. So I was like, this yeah. guy's been here before. And like, I know he knows how to get there. And we're just gonna have to like dig that together. Just yeah. kind of like a lot of the upfront work. Talk about the upfront work. Cause I think that's important. We talk about it a lot, obviously, yeah. but go, go through that. Yeah, to develop buy-in like, I know on our first call, we kind of talked about like your previous like remote training experience during COVID. Yeah. And it kind of seemed like that had been a rough experience like plyos and kind of like the remote coaching aspect of that so i was like okay i gotta develop buy-in with this guy so i'm like i'm gonna look through all the video i'm gonna ask him the, the detailed enough questions so he like i'm gonna go in with enough of a plan so 
he answers his own questions and starts to like trust me out of the gate. So I was like, here's some old video of you do things well, like, okay, this is what you're feeling and this is what you're doing when you're throwing. So that kind of syncs up and like being able to show you those like out of the gate, I think just gave you some buy-in. And like you yeah. said, after that 45 minute call, just like, first I got to build a relationship with this guy because you know, I'm yeah, a 26 like, year old and like, <laughs> I know we talked about kind of some other pirates guys that have called me D3 schmuck out of the gate, but like, <laughs> it's tough to get like, see you, you see me or you hear me on the end of the line, like this 26 year old hasn't really coached that many pro guys, has really only thrown like, you know, low 90s himself. So like, how, how can I trust this guy? And so I think like that made me do way more work for it to be like, there are no excuses. Like this guy has to trust me and I'm going to show him exactly why. Yeah. And so I think that's like how it kind of No, started, and like... I did like after the first, <laughs> I, I could told my wife, was like, this is going to be, this is it for me. And I didn't really know. I didn't know too much about tread. So like you think, saying that, like I had no idea. So yeah. like, you could have been, I could have been your first player ever. I would have thought like, this guy knows everything. I was, I was listening. How, I was uh, like, this is it. How reassuring was it? And I, I mean, I assume this was a call because he and I always talk about like, we get a bunch of big league guys who are kind of on a downswing and we got to get them back up. But like, you've been good. You've yeah. thrown hard. You've done things well. How reassuring was it that he was seeing these things, you had felt these things, and that was more of your approach instead of trying to completely reinvent yeah, who you were. Like, that was the big thing for me. It was I would show him the video and he would, had he had the answer. Like it, not necessarily had the answer, but you, you knew what I was feeling and what I was talking about. And you're like, okay, well you're not you did this when you threw hard and I'm looking at that film right now and you're you're just not doing it. So what can we do to get drills to get you back into doing those things again? And I think it was just probably like a month worth of drills. Yeah. I mean, I first first couple of weeks was literally just plyo balls doing drills, not even picking up a baseball and trying to get into better throwing patterns. And I, I mean, it just the first day I picked up a ball and threw it, I was like, oh my, like, I don't, I didn't have the words. I was like, this is it. Like, I feel this is how I throw. This is how I feel good. And this is what felt good. Yeah. Talk about with like plyo drills, for instance. And we always talk about with athletes like the weights are arbitrary, right? Like yeah. two pound, one pound, seven, six, five, four, two, whatever. Like we can talk arm strength, arm speed, but um, as far as like specific plyo drills, rather than just kind of going like cookie cutter, what kind of drills you guys utilized to get you back into those patterns so you could hammer those in? Yeah, the, the one, figure the figure eight rocker, like the figure eight rocker going back, that one, uh, like the first day I did it, I was like, this feels so good. My arm honestly felt like I was like just dragging it behind me and I had no idea. Because I think the one of the cues for me right off the, the jump was use, use throw with your pet, like lead with your pet. Because I was still, because before I'd been doing plyo balls and like I think I was just getting into really bad patterns because uh, I didn't have coaches. This is during COVID, so I didn't have coaches telling me how to how to do it or you're doing it wrong or this doesn't look good. So I was getting into the, like a lot of like choppy here, and you notice Devin noticed that on the first videos I sent him, he was like, "Yeah, you're you're like leading with your elbow a lot," and changed the thought to throwing like lead with the pec more, and that kind of just got me into better like uh, arm. I don't even know what you want to call it, but. Yeah. Um, it just got me in a better position and felt like a more whippy arm. And then from there, the figure eight rocker really um, did it. And then the Kikuchi step back drill, or just the Kikuchi in itself, 
and then when I transitioned the Kikuchi to the mound, just I think cleaned it up. Just like I did that. like a, yeah, like a presentation kind of on you and talked about like freedom was like your big thing. Like your arm used to be so free, yeah. And then just like I think you just dug yourself in a little bit of a deeper hole, deeper and deeper, like trying to change things and like use the heavy plyo balls, just like drove the tricep forward and like got away from where you were in the beginning, like this, you know, 19 year old throwing a hundred, like yeah. free, like longer arm swing, kind of gets it up there and then just like pulls with the pec and it's a hundred. And so like using the figure eights for me, it was just like, okay, let's get away from like shortening up everything. Like yeah. you were long and throwing a hundred and being in the zone. Yeah, and like, I was really healthy yeah, too. Healthy, didn't need to get away from that. So like, let's go back to that. And then with the Kikuchi, it was kind of just like something where, you know, I think you'd tried to and I showed you like a video of you in September of like 21 where you like hunched over really deep and like just kind of just like try to drive too hard off the backside and it's just like you don't need to be grunting for velo like it should yeah. be easy for you and it's so like getting you the kikuchu is kind of just like get you up in the air feeling light let you drift a little bit and then when you hit then you can go but it's like let's delay that let's be free with the arm and they kind of just like work yeah. I guess yeah the kikuchi did it for me it was like I, you gave the drill to me and I honestly had no idea what the purpose was and you're just like here do this and see what happens and I sent the video I texted you the video back and you were like dude that's money yeah um, and then now I kind of like realize like what it's actually yeah. doing. I'm like starting to learn more and more about what the drills are actually doing um, but the Kikuchi just I, I'd go up off my tippy toe like on my on the tips of my toes and then when I would come down I felt like that drift again because the the the, the thing through our minor leagues was like you're getting too drifty too drifty you don't want to drift you want to stay back on the backside um, and I think that might have helped me in minor league days of like trying because I was never thinking about using my back leg I would just always kind of use that drift and sometimes I might have gotten too drift too drifty so the the cue of staying on my backside really like helped me in the minor leagues but as I started doing drills um, in that 21 season to try and get my velo back. That's all I was thinking about. And there was no drift and it was like a dump and a, just just off, just bad. <laughs> um, so <laughs> like the Kikuchi helped me stay more upright and actually use the slope of the mound to fall. That first day, I think like you had a pen and it was like, like 93, 95 and they did a Kikuchi or something that was like 97.1. Yeah. And I was like, all right, it's like 97. Like, of course, that's going to be like something that we keep hammering. Yeah just like apply that to like a lot of your other drills. Like you said, a step back, like any sort of feel of like staying taller and then dropping into it, I think. Yeah, and it's helped a lot. Like I, the 20 or the 21 off season going into 22 last year, I think I started every bullpen with Kikuchi. Even during the season when I would feel like, okay, stuff doesn't feel synced up. Bam, doing the Kikuchi drill on the mound for three or four reps just to feel it come out. And they, those would always just fly out of the hand, just explode out of the hand for yeah, whatever reason. <laughs> I'm not as smart, like you guys know the reason, but yeah, the, the, doing that drill always seems to just click for me. Yeah, you even got J-Mo doing the Kikuchi <laughs> in his delivery now. Oh, I know, I love it. <laughs> uh, with, the, with the drills, talk about like the athleticism prescription or how, how you went about, like how many drills did you give him? Oh yeah, that was another drill was the, to start off was the, the backward, like backpedal yeah, throw. Freestyle. Yeah, backpedal, freestyle. And then after that one, having another ball immediately running forward and throwing, like yeah. off your off balance throw, like you were a shortstop making a throw across. That, for whatever reason, felt really good too. It's like, I'm not even thinking about my arm. I'm just throwing, like, just making a throw. 
I remember like the feedback I think that I, you got, I got from you from like the first call was like, you had felt so stiff in your delivery, you needed to get away from that and like start feeling athletic again. So I was like, okay, you know, here's like an arm action freestyle or something because you also are like a basketball player in high school too. Like yeah. athletic guy that never really probably focused on pitching or else like threw hard. No. And so like for you getting away from the delivery so you can come back to it and like starting to feel good is like huge. So it's like arm action freestyle, some figure eights to keep you long and then the Kikuchi to like make you feel like you're getting tall. I think it was just like those three or four drills are just like, yeah. let's get away from the delivery for a little bit so that when we come back to it, it's like, it kind of feels like it's supposed to feel again and not yeah. just like. And I think the other drill that we had was the half kneeling. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. Half kneeling, like, yeah, half kneeling, this, the plyo walls this way, yeah. turn and rotate and just fire. Yeah. And that one felt really good too. Just the yeah. combination of all those. Yeah. Yeah, talk about uh, something we talk about specifically with Devin and I'll toot his horn a little bit. It's like <laughs> Devin is a simple guy, but how, how relieving was it with kind of like how simple the plan of attacks were? Like it wasn't like we were slamming 20 things on you. To yeah. Try to I mean, it was super easy. It was like when I got the plan, it was like, here's your mob, like from the assessment that here's your mobility stuff. Okay. Do that. Super easy. Follow it whatever nothing too crazy nothing too time consuming just little things here and there but then like the drills i was ex when i i didn't know what to expect so when i got the drills there was four drills four or five and i thought they were going to be like crazy drills or whatever and they're just super basic <laughs> honestly yeah. like nothing too crazy it's like anybody can pick them up and, and start doing it and like you might not be perfect at it at once but that's the whole point of sending the video in or whatever it was like because if i never sent you the video of me throwing the plyos i would have just kept hammering it this way instead of leading here and trying yeah. to get some layback there it's just like this super simplified um and just having that was like a really freeing thing too is like okay i've because uh the COVID year I tore my oblique and coming back was like a bunch of drills. Like, like I felt robotic in those drills and these were all freeing, like just physically freeing drills that honestly meant my mental state of, it was mentally freeing too. It's like, okay, I don't even have to, I'm not thinking about where my arm is. It's just happening. I think that we talked about it too. It's like for you doing so much work ahead of time, just like put it right in front of you. Just be like, this is all you need to do. Like focus on, this one thing. You don't have to be thinking about 50 different things about your back leg or like what your arm's doing. Yeah. Just like give you these drills, focus on one thing per drill and like you know what you need to be working on and then they all kind of like build off each other. That was one thing that I try to do specifically for you and like all my guys, like make it so simple and straightforward for you. It's just like, even if things go wrong, like you know that you do a couple kikuchis off the drill and like shit starts yeah. to feel good again. So yeah. like you don't have to worry about, you know, what's my back foot doing. It's literally like do a couple of these. Yeah, like, I've never thought about <laughs> Like guys talk about their knee going that way or like trying to push it that way. I've never thought about any of that. I just like, oh, I just do the Kikuchi <laughs> drill and it just work. I, like it's just works for me. Yeah. So you think like all of, the, all of the drill work has just been totally embedded subconscious with you now? Like you don't, yeah. you don't have to think anything. No, not really. I just see the drill do it. And like, it just kind of syncs up, which is like super simplified, which I love it. Bread and butter. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a super simple person, so when well, something I think... is simple for me and like nothing too complex of like especially body wise, but like 
I don't know, even like game reports or like scouting plans. Like if it's a simple plan, like if we can just hammer a couple things, like simplify it, it's way easier to, to master the plan. I think you're way a, more bought in I, for yeah. me. It's a valuable thing for like any of our athletes because I know whether this is big leagues, high school, whatever, so many times we get guys who just want more, more, more. It's like, okay, I'm not creating the pec stretch I want out of the figure eight. I need like five more drills, you yeah. know, or whatever it is. But what, I mean, talk about when you first built out his program, just walk, walk through it A to Z, kind of mobility wise, lifting wise, obviously what you were focused on maybe what you didn't care as much about. So the big things that like, usually I can tell if like a guy brings them up himself, it's usually kind of a big deal. So it's like end of 2020 on, you kind of stop lifting or like kind of we're on that like once a week lifting, kind of just like maintenance mode. It's like come in like relatively weaker. So I was like, okay, that seems to be something that like Velo trended down too. So it could be that, it could be like lifting yeah. related. And then mechanic wise, I went back to like, there's a video of you throwing, I think up to like 99, something like that. And I was like, all right, the three like alliterations big for me with like simplifying it for guys was like timing, tempo, and tilt for you. Where like your big three of just like okay, we need like you're athletic. Let's like simplify it down to these three things. And if these three things are doing, you know, you're doing well with those. Like we know you're in a good spot. Yeah. So it's like those three things. And then mobility wise, like there wasn't too many crazy things. Like for him, he's like a little bit of a lax guy where it's like uh, he can get into some deep ranges. So it's most about like controlling the ranges. So it wasn't anything crazy. It was just like, let's get a little bit stronger. Timing, tempo, tilt, let's remember those three things. You know, here's some plyo drills to get you feeling more athletic. And let's kind of, you know, get away from your delivery now so that, you know, once you get back to it, we know what we, know what we need. Yeah, I think taking a step back from the delivery piece and just learn, kind of teaching myself, how, or like us teaching myself how to learn how to throw again was yeah. the big thing. It was like, don't even worry about like a delivery out of the windup or anything like that. Yeah thing in like the initial like report too is just like here's the throwing focus here's like the lifting focus here's like the mobility thing like here's your you know your dedicated time spent on this and like while you're doing this 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 is only only, only focusing to be you know worried yeah. about don't worry about too yeah. many things and i'll tell you the the strength part really because uh the 20 21 season, even 2020 and 2021 i mean it's just different like covid was weird and then 21 was just like a weird i don't know weird year but yeah, like you said, I was just like throughout the season was just more maintenance mode. And and when I thought back to like when I was in low A or high A or double A, like those years, like I would lift like heavy during season and going into last like during last year, like in the weight room, I was hitting like PRs in the weight room in September and October. Like I felt really good. And I think that's just like a really positive, like a direct correlation to how I was feeling out on the field because I never really felt bad on the, like strength wise or conditioning wise on the field. I always felt like super strong. It was like one of the first times, and this is the most innings I've thrown, I don't know, uh, I think in any season in my career, but definitely in the last like four years. And I felt the best I had. So, yeah, something um, to that. Let's get to end season. So you, you briefly talked about on in the intro, you said the season did not start how you wanted. Talk us through, like, how did the season start? What adjustments did you guys make? What did you talk yeah. about? Uh, well, spring training was awesome, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is – usually my spring trainings are terrible. Like, yeah, you, you were electric in spring. <laughs> spring training was awesome. Like, I thought – like, I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like, I'm going to be opening day starter, all this. 
um, get to the seat. Like, I don't think I let, I think I love like one or two mm -hmm. runs all spring yeah. or something. A couple like hits crazy. Yeah. Um, then I get to the season. Um, first start didn't go too well and it kept going like another one didn't go that like I had a, a good one I think against the Brewers maybe and then like it didn't go well again and then I faced the Reds twice in a row and I gave up five and five innings each one and I think one of them Brandon Drury hit a homer to right field off me like a three-run homer in the fifth or something and it like just totally just like crushed the like it was going to be an all right start and then that just totally crushed it and walk out of there with five after five, it's like definitely not what you want. Um, and I think they were all on fastball. Like I gave up and threw a 98 mile an hour heater to Moustakis too, and he just like golfed it out, like hit it almost into the river. And I think at that point I was like, I shouldn't be getting beat, like what's going on? So it was like, Devin and I talked and it was like, yeah, you're you're throwing it hard, but it's not like efficient. Like you're, you're cutting the shit out. Yeah, of it. I, was I think it was the was exact cutting. thing that I said. You're throwing like eight eight fastballs at a hundred. Yeah, and it was like that shouldn't be getting hit, but like it is because yeah, it's eight and eight. Like Mustakas is hitting at five hundred feet, so it's like yeah, it's like I think the it velo shouldn't happen. Like the velo, it doesn't add up. So we're trying to figure something out, and it's like all right, you're cutting it a little bit, so maybe try and throw a sinker and we talked about that like the next morning and then I brought it like I was gonna go throw because usually I don't throw the day after I start but this time I did I was like I need to I like it's go I need to figure this out I need to practice with it or whatever and Oscar our pitching coach came to me too like I did like we were walking across the field to talk and he's like hey I got something for you and I was like well I got something for you too and we both said it at the same time. It was kind of crazy, and then yeah. that's just kind of where it clicked. And I, you could have probably talked to him before, honestly, or whatever. I don't know, but we both had the same idea of like, let's throw a sinker or two seam and see what happens. And Cause, how? Because you do cut it, or you're yeah. cutting it right now. How did you? How did you latch onto that pitch during the middle of the season? Well, I just it started that day. I threw one, and they were they were pretty good. And obviously, when you're playing catch, you don't really know. There's no nothing telling you what the number is. So that next side, um, I just started throwing it and they were moving at like 16 inches, 17, and then I would get some at like 19 even. And at that time I had no idea. I was like, is that good? I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah. And they were like, oh yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. But my vert was still like 13 or 14 on it. So right. it was just more of like a run. But they're like, that still might play. like. It's moving a lot if we can just figure out how to kill the vert on it just a little bit and that all had to just do with like thumb placement and just kind of like offsetting it a little bit i think we talked about like going into it with a plan like i made i think i made you like a three minute video of like here's my pitch for the sinker like i got your video from yeah, the pirates i had like you're the same efficiency as clay like i think you should throw a sinker because of all these things and it wasn't just like fuck it throw a sinker find yeah, out there was a reason like, behind it yeah. it wasn't just like yeah, like, hey, your four seam's dog shit. Let's go to a sinker. Like, it wasn't that. Like, I still have a good four seam when you use it right. But there was a really, yeah, like you said, like my profile on my, I think it was my changeup. Yeah. Like, the profile changeup profiled well to Clay's sinker. So yeah. we're like, you might be able to throw one. Like, you should try it. Yeah, that's, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Um, and like, I, for, like, with Luke Bard, Luke Bard is a guy I have in house. Fastball's up near 3,000 RPM. Somebody told him to throw four seams because of that. 
when he came out of college, he was a two-seam guy, slightly lower slot, but he cut the ball, right? Which we know is good for a seam shift sinker, but yeah. he abandoned it for whatever reason. But talk, we reference this all the time, Mitch is probably a top 15 supinator in the world. Yeah. Talk about adding the sinker without him having to change anything with how he throws. Yeah, I think based on like everything that I saw with Clay, it was just all you need to do is throw a two seam and do the exact same thing you're doing on your four seam. Like the way that your hand is like putting force into the ball, like you're in supination still. All we need to do is a grip change. Don't try anything different. I think like for you to feel that comfortable with it, I think you talked about this in like the Bannister podcast. Like usually if you're going to start throwing a seam shift sinker, uh, it's not going to be something where like it's like a couple weeks of a trial and error period. Like usually if it's going to be good, you like right out of the gate start to feel a little better and like yeah. it seemed to like work. And so I kind of kicked myself a little bit, but like the week before I kind of pulled, I went around everyone at tread and I was just like, I think Mr. Throw a sinker. And I like asked a bunch of other coaches, like, should I tell him? And Brian was kind of talking about like having players come to you when they're kind of in like a rut and you get more buy-in with that. Yeah. And so it was like, it led, it had like two pretty terrible starts against the red for you to like, yeah. you know, me to bring it up to you and you to be like, I need to do this now. And like, yeah. whereas if you had like a decent start, it might have not had as much buy-in. Oh yeah, I probably wouldn't have bought like, as much. Yeah. Yeah, so you like, didn't give it to you the then right at the right time was like <laughs> the perfect storm of, I think you came out of the pen the next game against the Cubs and threw one, and I immediately hit Contreras on like the first pitch. Yeah. And I remember watching the game, seeing that, and I was like, "That was a fucking sinker!" Like he just threw the sinker, and then something would happen where you're like, "Yeah, we're supposed to hit him anyway, like that." But I was like, <laughs> and then you started yeah. throwing it again. Well, there was some beef there. Um, he like ran over the mound or something, and I don't know. I didn't see it, but some we didn't take it lightly. I wasn't trying to hit him. <laughs> Um, wasn't a bad because, time like, for a sinker. Yeah, like, I mean, I just got moved to the bullpen. The yeah. last thing I want to do is put runners on base yeah. and, like, mess around giving up more runs. Like, dude, I'm trying to throw up zeros as much. I'm trying to save my job <laughs> yeah. right now. I know. Um, so I was like, yeah, I threw, I don't remember. I think there was two outs, and then we yeah. broke it out, and then I ended up, first time I threw it. Well, I, I, we, he called sinker, and he moved, like, inside, and I had never worked, like, yeah. I mean, I had just started throwing it, like, four days before in a bullpen and the only times been set up right down the middle and I was losing them all arm side and so of course he sets up inside like trying to get an inside heater in there and I just let it rip and (laughs) I hit him right on the elbow and I was it's like oh my gosh this might be the end of that pitch too so yeah but like more buy-in yeah and then the next are you going to Dodger Stadium like you started again no and then I had one so I had one more bullpen outing it was against the Rockies and it at home and it like I think I broke like six or seven bat. I mean, it wasn't on the scouting report probably at yeah. all. Like, why would it be? Um, but yeah, that and that's kind of where it started being better. I didn't throw too many. I think I only threw like ten or so that yeah. game. But then, yeah, the next start, Dodger Stadium, start, had me start in Dodger Stadium, and I, that place is electric. So I was like ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. When when did the when did the sinker get good? That start. Yeah. That's. And then this, which made the sweeper better because you had yeah, like 85 mile an hour slider going yeah. one way and then senior going and I was, And so I actually went back and watched video. Um, that start against the well, like coming out of the bullpen against the Cubs, I was trying to throw a sweeper or I had a different grip. I think I had like the curveball grip or yeah. something, but it wasn't. We were just trying to get something to move more than because the gyro wasn't working out for me. I just lost the feel. So you're trying to find something that was moving like 10 inches, negative 10, 
and I was like, wasn't getting it, wasn't getting it. And then I just went to the sweeper and I just started picking it up. And then, yeah, with the, against the Dodgers, it just kind of, they all kind of clicked a little bit. With the, uh, with the sinker tread network wise, what did, did you talk to Clay about it? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, me and Clay. So when I started picking it up, I was texting Clay. I was like, dude, you gotta like, what's like, what are you looking for? And he was like trying to, he's like, just tweak the ball like this way a little bit. Uh, he, he was sending me pictures of the black ball with the thing on it and trying to get the slow-mo and seeing it move. Um, I would send him like edger uh, video, uh, just trying to see what he had on it or whatever. And he would give me as much as he would like, you know, I mean, he's still playing with another team, so he doesn't want to give me all the secrets <laughs> or whatever, but he was helping me just a little bit, like with finger pressure, trying this, trying that, on what made his really good. And yeah, he's he was awesome about it, just trying to help me out. Yeah, it's a good guy to have. I know, yeah. like, I would say 99% of our big leaguers who want to add a sinker, they're like, can you send me the clay grip? Like, yeah. do you have video of him throwing it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think his grip is too crazy either. It's no. just kind of offset maybe just a little bit. Um, I mean, he's just, just blessed. Dude. Yeah. He's huge and throws hard. Yeah. yeah, I think, like, even when clay came to uh, 1.0, yeah. I'll never forget, he, the sinker had been, like, kind of inconsistent um i actually told the cubs about this um because clay had had a decent year i know him and ben worked through some mechanical stuff for velocity and i remember just sitting there obviously i knew of clay i had seen the sinker be good oh, we yeah. put the rapsodo down we put the track man up and obviously i explained to him you know access efficiency what we're kind of looking for we'll see when it catches a ton on track man it'll get down to zero or even in the negatives and then we'll just go off of that user app soto to see your access efficiency and i mean as soon as you showed that guy that technology like it was like that every yeah. every sinker was dialed it just clicked like in spring training throw him and i think he always got the the initial thought that like hey it's not a good pitch just because we were using rap sotos and it wasn't getting the full thing and that at that point that was the difference is like dude the sinker's elite it's just but the the track man said it's not though you know, and that's kind of where the technology, I feel like, falls into a little trap there of like, okay, I trust the thing, but you can't trust it too much if it's not tracking the whole pitch. So um, it's just, yeah, and, and playing catch with Clay all the time. And I, I remember those times where it was inconsistent because sometimes he would throw him in catch play and you'd be here and then you'd get one and just like break your thumb and, and Clay's a smart ass and be like, is that one move? And like, <laughs> yeah, move, man, I take my glove off. And like, that spring, I mean, it just started dialing in and just become bowling balls. You know, you're like trying to catch these. I mean, it's heavy too. It's hard to catch. Like nobody yeah. wanted to play catch with clay. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, especially with seam shift, if it takes a little bit to perfect, like some of them are gonna catch, some of them aren't. Yeah. And you just gotta stick with it. Like Selby, I'm trying to convince yeah, him to do it. And like, yeah, some of them might stink, you know, but. Better than the four seam that comes in at like. Yeah, better than the 10-10 four seam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. It's like. Yeah. I'd rather take a shitty... I think that was the first thing that we talked about, too, is, like, for you, out of, like, the first pen, the first, like, uh, side that you threw, is, like, don't worry so much about keeping it, like, sub-12 vert right now. Let's play, like, the horizontal game and, like, get there first, and then we can kind of work it down to get, like, get a little bit depthy. But it's, like, right now, you know, better than 10-10. We're getting, like, 16 into the horizontal on it. It doesn't necessarily need to be, like, you know, sub-8 vert. It can, it yeah. can be... You know, I don't 10, think 16. I've ever. I don't think I've ever gotten to sub eight for maybe my last bullpen, but like, 
those first couple weeks. Yeah. Definitely not. I was like 12, <laughs> like 11, 12. And I think it was just all like knowing how to throw it. And then once you get, like you said, yeah. the, like, okay, we got the 16s, we got the 18s. Let's, then you can start kind of trying to figure out what the feel is like to get it to move down. I think for last year too, it gave you something where you're just like, I'm not going to get murdered with this. Like if I throw a sinker, you know, he might hit it hard into the ground, but like if I throw, if I throw my forcing, the guy might hit it, like elevate it and hit it out. But like yeah. I can, I can throw a sinker, get it in, get it to move and like miss a barrel. Right. So like I'm not going to get too many whiffs with it, but like I'll miss a barrel at least. So it's like a safety-ish net that yeah. I can go to. Yeah. Like 2-0, I love throwing. It's like, yeah. okay, I need a strike 2-0. If he puts it in play, great. Yeah. I'm, hopefully it's to a fielder <laughs> Yeah. and we can like three pitches or less on this batter, but like just even having that safety net of knowing I can throw a strike with it and not, like you said, just Plus be you, in the zone. You and threw not a hard too. It wasn't like something you were throwing like 91. Yeah. Like you could still be like four to six with it yeah. and like throw it hard. And that's a big thing too. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of the seam shift sinker. Like, uh, I mean, you, you have this attribute, but like Sean Armstrong throws a sinker at 96. So it'll, we'll call it 18 and 10. He throws a four seam at like, two and 15 at 96 then he's got a cutter at like 92 so he has these you know 25 inch distribution that's really hard yeah and I think you're you've developed that too but like what what do you think about your arsenal right now yeah just going like my last bullpen I told him I like we were running through like a two seam four seam sequence and I think to right-handed hitters there at the end of the year we started doing the sinker in and then using my four seam later in at bats for like an up and away like surprise because i mean with the two seam it looks like it's probably going to come back down the middle but it's a four seam and just kind of stays there and i don't have to worry about the carry as much because i have that other fastball that is not carrying so when i do throw the one the four seam it looks like it's perceived coming out more and like harder and carrying has more life to it um, but I think having those two, I love having the two different fastballs to play with is just awesome. And then developing another a gyro slider slash cutter thing. I think that was the yeah. off season is like last year, looking back at like your data, it was like, you had a big, like 85 mile an hour sweeper in the stinker, the curveball, the four seam. I think like we talked about adding something like in the middle because a lot of your stuff was like bigger. And so like having something tighter, yeah. harder, like. That was the next level for your arsenal, I think. Like, yeah. something you, you've had before in 2019. That was another thing that we talked about early on. It was like your favorite slider was like your 2019 gyro that you, I think it was like 47% whiff percentage or something crazy yeah, like crazy. that. And it was like something you got away from and didn't even have that last year. And now you're like coming back, the same guy you were last year, plus like the pitch you had in 2019 that kind of was your bread and butter. Like, yeah, that was my pitch. Like, throwing at 90. I mean, I remember having Stallings back behind the plate and like, there was times we'd throw, and in the minor leagues, like I'd never done it, thrown, he was, he was calling it like five pitches in a row. And they're like, swing and miss, swing and miss, swing and miss, ball, ball. Like, I was just throwing it all the time when I got to the big leagues. Because in the minor leagues, I was just throwing fastballs. Like, I'm just blowing people away, and then start facing the bigger type guy, hitters that are smarter. And we were starting to rip in it, and I felt really good with the gyro slider, and then yeah, COVID happened or whatever, started going through some things and I just didn't feel comfortable with it anymore. But I think this off season, just getting that back is gonna be huge for my, my arsenal and having the sweeper and the curveball. Um, Supinator. One of the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah. is, is good to have all, like 
I mean, yeah, you don't want to have too many, but if you can command all of them and they're all pretty good pitches, you I might mean, as well have them, you know? Joe Musgrove last year, it's like Supinator also like you. Musgrove, like, could throw cutter, slider, sweeper, curveball, like, and you, like, hitter knows, like, one of five or six pitches coming at me, you can throw yeah. them any count, like, better be ready for it. Yeah, and that just puts you in such an advantage before you even throw a pitch. Talk about, like, your, your profile as a starting pitcher, though, because I know we talk about this jokingly about an ego death of a pitcher. Like, you're a guy who's thrown 100. Like, everybody loved the video of you in here throwing yeah. 101. And yeah, you can throw hard. But what is your mindset around pitching specifically? Because obviously we have, we joke all the time, but like, throw 100, but don't throw it. Or right. like, Colin Selby's fastball is bad. His breaking balls are really good. Dude. He should throw minimal heaters, right? right? But how do you how do you tackle that as being a guy who could be a power pitcher? Yeah, it's it's hard because you want to throw 100 every time. And but like my mentality when I'm on the mound is not I'm not trying to throw it hard. I'm just trying to execute the game plan of like. All the all the cool stuff of throwing hard is out the window. It's now time of like executing and trying to like get them out. And if I have 96, if I have like a nice and e nice and easy feeling to me on the mound of like nice and easy, bam, it's coming out clean and it's 96, 97, awesome. Like I'm not trying to throw 100% effort every pitch. Like that's exhausting, and I feel like you can lose a lot of your like good mechanics that you know you, you work for all the time. And that there is situations within the game of like, okay, I got this guy 0-2, 1-2, like I'm gonna rear back and like find out, get after this one, like <laughs> I'm gonna see what I got. Like, do I have 100 in the tank today? Yeah, maybe, but I'm not trying to do that every pitch because I think just a lot of stuff breaks down when you start doing that and you're not thinking about the right things. And, and I, yeah, I like that. Throw 100, but don't throw 100. Like, I think that's a huge. It's a really good point. I think you retweeted it last year too. It's like the first slew of starts where you had like sub 50% fastballs or something. Zombro, Zombro's a big hater on heaters anyway, but it's just like when you started throwing like breaking balls more, like curveballs change up the other stuff more, like made them respect your heater. And it wasn't also always like in the minor leagues coming up, you're like, if anything goes wrong, like I have to go fastball here. Yeah. But like you had other things to throw that they had to respect that it wasn't like, I'm just gonna sit heater here, and it like once you get to the big leagues, like you're throwing 100, but if it's 8-8 heater, guys can sit on that and still hit it out. Oh, so it's like I can throw something else and like, you know, not feel like I have to rely on one specific pitch. Like they gotta respect everything. Yeah, and then adding the sweep. Yeah, like adding the sweeper just felt like that is like a weight lifted off me. It's like I don't have to rely on my four seam to be my pitch. Like that's a tough pitch to rely on. It's like. What does a hitter want? You mean when you come like hitters get a two-zero breaking ball and they come back to the donut, you're like, "Oh, pussy, like, throw me a fastball!" Like, yeah. that's all they want. They yeah. want fastball. Right. So like, why would you want to throw more fastballs? Right. Why wouldn't you want to throw more of the stuff that moves? It was uh, that was definitely a start in Miami. Yeah, when he th you threw sub fifty percent heaters. Yeah, I, I remember. remember I was like, "Congratulations <laughs> on." Yeah, because Devin texted me. He's like, uh, "Well, you just threw like way more sliders." Than <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think my, I, I think my velo might have been just down a little bit there. I was like 93, 90, like ninety three, ninety four that start instead of ninety five, ninety six. But and, I, and the sweeper is on, so it's like. Okay, and at that point, like it was, was like, either curveball or sweeper is going to be on. They weren't both on at the time, usually together, because I'm still trying to develop the feel for them. Um, but yeah, having that pitch to 
to rely on rather than having a forcing to throw all the time. It's more of a surprise pitch than two. It's just like you just, I don't know, you alleviate some stress from it being the 70, I think I was throwing it like 65% of the time. Like, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think with being a really good supinator, like, you give yourself options for what's on that day, right? Like, yeah. okay, I've got hard gyro option, which I can call a cutter, whatever. You've got the sweeper, you've got a curveball. Like, you can go infinite other ways. Yeah, and that was part of our game plans. Like, when we're sitting before starts, is like, okay, plan A is, plan A is like sinker, like to a right-hand hitter, let's say that's like, okay, plan A is a sweeper, sinker, and I mean, we can go elevate for four seam late, but, and at the, in the earlier points of the sweeper is like, okay, if that, but if that's not on, like plan B is like, we got to wrinkle in a curveball or something or, or something else to get them off of the fastballs. Um, and yeah, it's just having that sweeper to be able, like having two two spin pitches to go to at any time is it was fun and to, and it just like alleviated some like anxiety and pressure off of me too, like going to the yard, be like, all right, well I'm learning this new pitch, so if I don't have it today, I'm screwed. But I know I have my curveball all the time, pretty much. Plus, like you faced what the Cardinals probably like six times last year. It's yeah. like facing that same like righty heavy right. lineup like over and over again, like. So one thing wasn't on there. They saw you the same guy last time. Like, get a different weapon you could use. And it was like, yeah. then it was a curveball the next start. Like, face the same, you know, Goldschmidt, Pools, those guys, enough. They're probably going to learn something. But, like, you could throw something new at them every time. Yeah, like, a lot of the reporters after starts be like, oh, well, you threw 26 curveballs today, and you haven't done that ever. Like, why? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It's on. Like, I felt really good with it that day. And, like, my sweeper wasn't on. Or they were like, oh, you threw only – like you faced the Cardinals last start, and then you faced them again this time, and you only threw 10. Like, why? I was like, well, it didn't feel as good. I, we were just using it as like an 0-0 pitch or a 2-0 for a strike or something, rather than like an 0-2 curveball or something. So, yeah, just having two pitches is, to be yeah. able to spin well is awesome. Well, you were you were the biggest stuff plus gainer in 2022. How did, like, I mean, obviously we joke about the data a lot, but in all seriousness, you did – have the most improved stuff of any major league pitcher. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> like, quick answer is awesome <laughs> to think about that. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of work going into it. Um, I think last year in the offseason, when I was here at Tread, what was that, January 20th, I think? Yeah. Whatever it was. But I picked up the, or the, the whirly grip like this, and I threw one. I don't remember who I was playing catch with, but I feel bad for him because it did not go left. It like two seamed on me and went the other way. And I after that throw, I banged it. And I was like, we're not, we're never throwing this again. And then started going through all like trying to throw a curveball slider or whatever. And then I picked it up and just kind of started throwing it and felt really good. Yeah, I think that speaks to like continuing to to try it, to push on it, to see if you can get it. Like I know, again, you're a major league pitcher. You're top one percent in the world. But at the same point in time, like your first time throwing a sweeper, it didn't work. Yeah, it sucked. I mean, I never wanted to try it ever again. And then that spring training, because the gyro wasn't on either, so I started asking guys who had thrown the gy or the uh, whirly grip, like, what are your thoughts? What are you trying to do with it? And I would try and throw it. I was like trying to mess around with it. I'd be throwing it into the brick wall, like just trying things, just trying to feel it come off the fingers the way it's supposed to and it just wasn't happening so I I think 
stepping away from it, like thought-wise, got away from it, and then uh, one day in throwing program again, just picking it up and just ripping it and see what happened. And like one of them went just like straight left. And I remember like Oscar was right behind me, our pitching coach, and he was like, dude, Kells, that's it. And I was like, wait, like what did that do? Like, I mean, when you're throwing, you can't really like, kind of tell. He was like, dude, it went straight left. He's like, do that, whatever you just did, do that, try and do that again. So like, I was like, I honestly don't remember what I did. Like, I just kind of threw it and I picked the same grip up and I threw it again and just went straight left again. I was like, all right, I'm trying to remember how that felt coming out of the hand. So yeah, it's just a testament of like, just not working within the first five throws. Like, it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just, you're trying to, your body's trying to learn how to feel it and having technology to match up and really hone in the movement helps a lot. I think you and Shohai were the only two guys to throw like negative 20 above 85 last year. Was there any like for you right now, do you have like your go-to feels on it? Is it just kind of like, I'm gonna throw as hard as I can, like grip and rip it? Say my go-to feels like, I, I kind of like thinking about my pointer finger being like, if I pick up the ball, just like having the pointer finger, the side of it resting on that seam. And I'm like really thinking about having this finger like trying to get this the ball to do this so like uh, out of my hand having it like do like do this do you almost. feel do you feel pointer finger more or middle finger on the I feel the... I'm I'm driving with my pointer finger pointer finger honestly yeah because I, think... I feel like when I do that I can get some like I can throw it really hard I think that was something Whereas, that... like if I was going middle finger it, for me it feels like more of like a breaking ball, curveball, spin pitch. Yeah. Whereas I'm not trying, I'm trying to let the movement of the pitch do the movement. I'm not trying to like. Twist or anything like that. Do that. I'm yeah. just, and that's probably easy for me because I am a supinator. Yeah. Like I can just get around like, but like having this to like throw off of yeah. feels good. Like the pointer finger feel of like making it spin and then having it go. I think that was a cue that like Marcelli had used other guys too before, but like you can use a pointer finger to set on the outside of the ball to like make sure you're not. Yeah, you know. like to me that feels good. It feels like it's just kind of like hooked in there and ready and like feels good to like really rip. Yeah. And I love stadiums. So like the Rays have in their stadium, they, this is like the first place kind of got like addicted to looking <laughs> at it, but because that was one of my better games is like throwing it really hard. Like, yeah. And that was. I don't know why that just felt good, like letting them rip. I felt like I had really good control, like let them go, like 86, and I'd like, I'd throw the pitch, and I'd, there, there was like on the back ribbon behind the left field foul pole, like I'd throw it and like try and like catch it and like slyly look up there, like velo checking, but I was like movement checking. I was like, I was trying to see what the movements are, and and honestly, having that mid game was like, someone must be like 19 inches of movement with like no vert like zero vert at like 86 and i'm like dude they're not touching that <laughs> like in my mind mid game i'm looking at that and be like oh i'm throwing it again there's no way they're hitting it i'm throwing it again but like if i didn't have that up there i wouldn't know the movement profiles i'd be like i don't know is that good or not i don't know so I'm trying to get the pirates to put that in our in our thing so we can look at movements mid talk uh talk about like young minor league Mitch, obviously you probably didn't have TrackMan at your disposal like you do now, but how much no how much has that helped you, pitch design wise, to have that constant so feedback? Much. So much. I honestly had no idea anything about 
any movement profile or anything really like I didn't really have a full grasp of understanding until I met Devin and like he started explaining it to me like I didn't I knew there was numbers and I knew they were cool like spin rate was like the thing when I was in the minor leagues like oh you got like really good spin rate I I have no idea so I I had no idea about any of the stuff so when I was throwing bullpens and they had the rap soto there I don't know like is that spin efficiency good is like you have no idea and at that point I don't I wasn't adding any pitches all I had was a fastball curveball I barely had a changeup. Um, and then that 2019 when I started throwing the gyro slider I think I think I honestly started throwing it because Musgrove got hurt in double or I was in double A when he got hurt and he came down there and we were playing catch and he was throwing cutters at me so I started trying to I don't know he's like you should throw that and that's so I was like all right I started throwing it and I got called to triple A and I started throwing us uh tried to start throwing it but it turned into a, a gyro slot or actually uh Scott Ellerton texted me and was like why do you want to throw a, a cutter don't you want to throw like a bastard slider for a swing and miss and I was like yeah <laughs> I kind of do that'd be sick so I started trying to do that and Stallings had gotten DFA'd and sent to AAA, and he was our catcher. Then he kind of helped me with it, and then he ended up getting called up again, and then it turned into the gyro. But that's like the technology there helped develop those pitches a lot. And now it's like instant feedback after every pitch is like when you're working on stuff, it's like, all right, that was good, that wasn't. And I mean, it's just it's so much quicker. Whereas then I feel like it was like, <laughs> We, we don't really know how it's moving or how to help you make it better. It's just kind of whatever works. You just kind of got lucky, I feel like. Now it's like a tangible thing of like, I can manipulate how I'm, sp or like the grip or how I'm, my thought of the pitch is. Like we can, we can decipher what needs to be done or made better. And it just helps so much better for pitch design. Yeah, I think like, especially I, I always wonder good supinators back before TrackMan data was really prevalent and guys, athletes weren't learning the movement profiles. You just like didn't know. And so I- yeah, It's kind of like laughable now you think about it. You're like, how the hell yeah, did but it's any, true. Yeah, but like how the hell did anyone like learn new pitches or like throw? You just kind of got lucky, I think. <laughs> I was, well, cause uh, at the deadline, an Astros guy yeah. asked me about you anonymously. And I, first about your character, which I said, limited sample size, but a good guy. <laughs> uh, but I said, as far as pitching, like, I watched a couple bullpens, and this guy is so good in supination that he can legitimately do whatever you ask him to do with a baseball. But I think back, and I'm like, well, before you had the data, like, are you just, like, saying that, and you guess? And I think now that you have five, six, seven pitches, I mean, we're talking about some pretty cool things you can do with your arsenal. Yeah, like things I didn't even know were possible. It's like, I never thought I could throw a sweeping slider. I never thought I could throw a gyro slider too. I never thought I could throw a, like a cutter if I wanted. I never thought I could throw a sinker. Because uh, I'd always been told I couldn't throw a sinker just like, because I don't know, I could never throw a changeup. So why would I be able to throw a sinker, you know? So like, it's just, I don't know, it just kind of opens up way more avenues of my career knowing that I can do all these different things. What are your goals for 2023? Uh, I want to be opening day starter this year. That'd be sweet. I want to be an all-star. I want to try and throw 200 innings too. I think that's a huge milestone of just 
making every start and just being the workhorse and and, and doing the damn thing. It's and that's be, something we talked about this offseason was you wanted to get a little excited and, you know, rip in January or something. I just keep texting you, like, we got to get ready for 162 this year. Yeah. Like, you're going to throw 200 innings, like, pitch. Like, it's sick to throw. Like, last year was sick to throw 101 in January and, you know, yeah. tread. But, you know, you you had a full season last year. Pitched well in the big leagues. Let's build off that. And so. Yeah, that's, like, that's definitely a goal. It's like, how can we 162? And, and hopefully at one point it's more than 162, you know, like, we're deep into October, deep in, in, in November and stuff. It's like, how can we keep preparing for those situations? Or I think last year was like a really good start to it. I mean, nine, 29 starts, like 100, 159 innings. So we're on a good track. It's like, how can we build for more and more of that and, and do it right away rather than, you know, like a full month of not as good as results as I wanted to. Like, let's have a whole season of that and see what we can do. I think that's that's probably the main goal is doing that in a huge season. What are the what are the biggest things you've taken away from training with Tread? Well, there's a lot of things to taken away. It's like, right off the bat, it's like, how can we simplify things? When things are simplified for me, it seems like it takes care of a lot of different issues, so like either mechanical, mental, or whatever it may be, you know, just simplifying it take, makes it a lot easier for me to think about game plans, um, just what I'm trying to accomplish. So I think one, yeah, simplifying that happened right away. It was like, okay, I think it was overcomplicated for me before. And then I came here and it was like simplified and then bang, it started clicking again, simplified, click it again. I also think just like prep work of before I had like a little bit of mobility stuff, but it wasn't like, okay, these are kind of what you need to do. And I think those all, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they come from the assessment of like, yeah. hey, these are areas where we've identified that you you kind of lack a little bit and, or you don't lack, but these are good things to keep on, stay on top of. And I don't really think I had that. I think I was just going through the motions, but now that I have a program that's tailored to me and what my deficiencies are, that really locked in with me of, okay, these are things that I need to do for me to stay healthy and stay strong and stay in my good positions in my uh, delivery. That was, that was a bit another big thing. And then the strength part of it just kind of speaks for itself. Just being strong and, and healthy has helped me be able to make every start and stay on the field and, and make every appearance. Like I know obviously you've trained elsewhere in the past and like you had a routine, but talk about, and you touched on this briefly with mobility, about how whether it's obviously he's hyperlax, and so we know he can get into deep positions, but addressing those things tailored to you mechanically, like what does that mean to you as opposed to just like, oh, I'm improving my hip mobility or whatever that might be? Yeah, it just it gives you more of a purpose of why you're doing it. I think if someone was like, oh, you should do a hip flexor stretch. All right, well, like why? Um, but for me, like knowing that if I, whatever prescribed, mobility thing it is is like that's going to help me in my delivery when I'm on the mound trying to compete at my best it's like I don't want to slack on those things because if I do I'm just doing myself a disservice of when I do get on the mound and throw it's like why wouldn't I do that if it's why wouldn't I take five minutes out of my day to to work on that if it's going to help me in the long run be healthy and be the best I can be on the mound so it's like I think I tried to tie it back into like the other day like your last pen or I was like 
you know, let's do some more spine work because you're like, yeah, I noticed like my spine is starting to feel a little bit stiff. It's like, okay, let's, you know, it goes back to communication with us too. Like, just like if things aren't feeling great, just like we can figure out what we need to do, you know, the next step. Yeah, and I, and okay, and that just leads me <laughs> to another thing about tread is like, it's part of another reason why I love it is like, I can have open and honest questions with you guys. It's like, you can pick up the phone and be like, hey, dude, I feel bad this way like something doesn't feel right here and it's like okay you're immediately on it on top of it of like all right well let's look back at some video and like see why you might be feeling that way or what's going on it's just that open communication feel is like a really refreshing feeling of because I think some guys fall into the trap of like they don't want to say anything to their coach because they're with an organization or they don't want to um, like spill the beans of like what's going on and they want to hold it within but for it, to be able to like feel freeing, I could tell you guys anything, and knowing that um, that you guys are gonna work for me and be there for me to try to make me feel better or make make it a better um, situation for me, that that on that is probably one of the bigger things that like I love about Tread. And if there's one thing I've learned is like honest, like honesty is the best because you could ask me like I'd be doing velo days or whatever and I'd be if I send it to you be like oh I was 96 today or whatever but I was really like 92 like who's that help like that doesn't help because if I was 92 and I sent you that and be like okay well why was you only 92 like let's figure out how we can get to 96 but if I'm saying I'm 96 there's nothing wrong you know like yeah there's no issues but like having that um just honest, like as the player to you, just being honest about everything is is helpful in multiple ways. It's like you can't explain it. You're a major league baseball player. You can, you can live a lifestyle you want to live, but talk to me about like what your lifestyle looks like now because I mean a lot of people get there and I don't know if they're necessarily diligent enough to stay at the top. But yeah, I'm. I don't know. In the off seasons, like I hate traveling. I don't know. I just feel like overwhelmed with it because I don't think that I'm getting the work in that I need to because it's a it's it's truly a job like even in your off season like it's a job um, like every single day I go in just do some sort of work a mobility like do my programming all of that just like sticking to the plan try not to get too far off of it because um, it, it like I've seen people fall into the trap of like ah oh, it's the off season like I don't I'll do it tomorrow, like, I don't need to lift today or whatever, but, like, those days keep adding up and adding up, and, like, the more days, like, ah, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, they just, you just keep falling behind, so it's like, okay, I made the big leagues, but now how do I keep getting better and better, and it's doing the little things that add up to big things, it's like, it just helps. I know some guys could maybe balance it, like, when they travel to Thailand every other yeah, week. Or, like, Bangkok. Yeah, like, <laughs> where he's just feeding like, feeding monkeys out on an island. Yeah, superhumans, yeah, yeah. I don't have that ability. Like, I have to work for, <laughs> I have to work a little harder. Well, like, that's, I mean, this is actually one of my very genuine questions is, like, with your failures early on in your career, yeah. do you think that's now kind of groomed you for this position? Oh, 100%. Yeah, if I don't, I don't, if I didn't fail, I don't know if I'd have the same drive as I do. Uh, not saying that I hadn't had it in the past, but I think it's taken it to another level of like, I don't want to lose this because I know how good I can be. And I, that was like one of the first conversations. Like, I know, I know how good I can be. It's just, I'm not there. Um, and I've, and I've failed and I failed and I failed. 
but I, I've had success and I know I can have success here. So like finding a plan and, and sticking to it and, and really um, just hammering that out and, and having that drive to be the best I can is what makes me go. Can you talk a little bit about like baseball being fun again too for you? Like I know you went through like 2021 was like a tough year of like a lot of ups and downs, but like this year is like more about fun and like. Yeah. Like I think it all started in 2020, like COVID year happened. I tore my oblique mid season. Like it was great. Like came back for spring training 2.0. I was feeling really good. Just thrown hard, tore my oblique, which during 20, like during COVID sucked. Like we were supposed to show up at the field and they wanted limited numbers in the clubhouse. So like we were pushed to the concourse of PNC Park and doing rehab there and then after that because we'd come in at 10 a.m. and the game's at 7 and be like all right we're done at one o'clock and they didn't want us at the field anymore so I'd have to go home and I just felt super separated from the game like it wasn't fun and then 2021 came around still wasn't feeling great in my delivery just like didn't feel good didn't feel confident in what I was doing and I think that's one thing like I wasn't bought into what I was doing like I knew something didn't feel right so it just wasn't fun. Like I felt like I was battling it every day. I was battling something. It's just like, I didn't know what it was though. And it didn't feel good. And then just the ups and downs of the season, like it was just super emotional roller coaster of like, okay, I got it. And then like all the news articles was like, oh, Keller's back, got it. And then the next game I'd give up like six and two innings. And then the next game I'd go six shutty with like eight strikeouts, feeling on top of the world again. Like, oh, I found it. And then no, I mean, just shows you how <laughs> humbling the game can be um but yeah and then just getting back to feeling like free and easy it just made throwing so much more fun like I felt like I could I didn't even feel like I was trying to like manipulate the throw to throw harder I didn't feel like I was trying extra to throw I was just like felt like I was a shortstop like feeling the ball and throwing it over to first again like just felt free and and good and, and like fun like it's like, oh, like I enjoy it. Like I love going to throw now, like instead of dreading it, like days I didn't want to get up and throw. Now those are few and far between of like, oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Like I don't feel like throwing. But before it was like, I don't want to go. I don't even want to pick up a baseball. Like it just like, it's not depressing, but it's just like, damn, like I don't, I don't feel yeah. good doing this. Like, why do I want to do it? But now it's like, I feel really good throwing again. And it just feels fun. Yeah, it seems like you guys have a pretty good culture now of like getting better, working on various things. Like I know here at Tread, we've been fortunate to have a really strong relationship with you guys in Pittsburgh, and we've got a ton of Tread athletes, former Pirates like JMO, Glass, yeah. etc. Um, but how how is that kind of shifted now for you guys there? I know we have a lot of current athletes in the clubhouse, so. Yeah, uh, it's fun. Uh, we're all bouncing ideas off of each other and stuff, and like talking about tread and stuff is fun. Like, um, just, yeah, just having those conversations be like, oh, what are you, like, what are your coaches saying? And then like having you guys bounce ideas off of each other about us is awesome. And then, yeah, the culture that with the Pirates right now is cool. It's like a bunch of young guys that are, that are hungry and we all want to win and um, I, I think we're I think we're really close. You just need a couple more pieces and just a little bit more experience and, and um, just consistency. And I think we'll be right there. And it's it's exciting times. Mitch, thank you for for being at Tread <laughs> HQ. Uh, we definitely appreciate it.
we love having you around. Good, good guy in small sample size, yeah, but thanks. definitely, definitely enjoy having you guys here. And like, again, I think here at Tread, like JMO, yourself, and Clay are kind of like pioneers for our big league side, guys who have really set the tone of yeah. what to expect from a Tread athlete, how to work hard. So we appreciate that and appreciate yeah. you being here. Oh, thanks. I mean, coming here is awesome. The environment you guys have here is really fun. I have come in and say like, oh, I'm gonna throw just a nice and easy bullpen, but something about this place just makes me throw harder than I intend to. So um, no, it's good, just thanks. <laughs> <laughs>